Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. Good morning, everyone. Psalm 139, and coincidentally, that's how many hours this is going to take. Um, so I exaggerate. I'll be one hour 39 minutes. Um, Psalm 139 is one of those psalms, it's one of those psalms that kind of sits in the psyche. And almost without knowing it, it ends up being your favourite verses or your favourite passages because it is an incredible psalm. So soundtrack of life. This was a, a song written 3,000 years ago. Now I don't know about you, but I hope we're not sitting and cheering in 3,000 years or, or taking apart uh, sort of his music. We will be singing to another walk in 3,000 years. God willing. Um, what we are going to be singing, or we're going to be having a look at uh, Psalm 139. Now, I, don't, I love music, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Um, uh, when I was thinking of this, what modern soundtrack have I come up with? And I was thinking, does anyone know, uh, you know my name? I'm just going to set my stopwatch off. So I've set it so it gives me an electric shock in 45 minutes. <laughs> Okay, what are you thinking? I hope he's joking. <laughs> it's a lot earlier than that. Right, so you know my name, Chris Cornell. Well, Chris Cornell, but the, the James Bond theme You know my name, you know me. So you've kind of got that action sequence. I'm thinking of uh, Daniel Crane running around and, and all of that. And as I was laying about thinking, just quite get it. I had to go back. So, and I woke up with a song in my head, which is sort of what happens to me virtually every morning. I wake up with songs in my head. Bizarre songs, songs that, um, that kind of predate my existence. And it was this one that got my imagination. The hottest, He Ain't Heaven. That's what got it for me. 1969, no, uh, the year before that. The year before the singer's death. The road is long with many a winding turn. That leads us to, to who knows where, who knows where. And then in my version, I stop singing because I've got this thing that I can sing. It's clearly a dream because I can't. And then Jesus takes over the next bit and he goes, but I am strong, strong enough to carry him. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. So on we go. His welfare is of my concern. No burden is he to bear, we'll get there. For I know he would not encumber me, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. And I challenge you after Psalm uh, 139, and we'll go through it, can you think of a better song that kinds of grabs uh, the essence of Psalm 139? Just to give you some background, I've told you the song was written a thousand years before Jesus, it's about three thousand years of age. King David wrote it around about his succession to the throne of Israel. Right, the unified kingdom of the 12 tribes. Now, I think that gives a really, really big clue as to the heart of King David. Here, here he is, King David, a humble shepherd boy, who, who, when Samuel went to his father Jesse, the family forgot about him. And we had to get right to the end, and Samuel's there, 
I'm not sure it got separated to everybody. So, and then, then there are about, oh, we've got, we've got the little lad out, out tending the sheep. The person, or the person that people forgot, is the person that God remembered. Like, I'm not, not planning to say that. So, you may be in a place in your life that you may think you're the person that people forgot. God always remembers. You are known by name. Okay? Right, so he have got King David, and he could have quite easily put together a psalm that goes, Made it, fellas. You all forgot about me. I made it. I'm king of the tree. No one above me. I'm 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 it. I'm the law. I'm everything. Everything happens but then I suggest that King David won't be a man after God's own heart. What he was, was in awe of God. In absolute awe of his king. Of his king. So, it's sometimes referred to as the omniscient psalm. Yeah. God sees and God knows everything. And, and the, uh, you know, I can't fully explain... David's revelation of God that we still uh, go to as one of the characteristics of God. Let me just fast forward you 200 years. So we're 800 years BC. And do you remember the story of Naaman the Syrian who goes to Elisha? And he goes and he bathes in the, the river Jordan, the Dirty River, and God heals him. Okay, of leprosy. 200 years after. Now, there's a very strange couple of lines. When uh, there's a bit of um, uh, there's a bit of conversation between Elisha and, and he basically said, "Look, I don't want anything from you. It's come with the king's wealth. It's come with silver, gold. It's come with a whole lot of riches." And Elisha said, "I don't want anything from you." And Naaman then comes with a request: "But well, can I take two mules worth of earth, and I'll go back to I'll go back to Syria and Syria with that?" What a strange request. So he's just offered a king's ransom to Elisha. Elisha's refused it, but then Naaman asked for one other thing. He asked for two donkeys worth of dirt. Because even 200 years after David's omniscient, omnipresent psalm, people thought gods were local deities. They thought that gods only had in the land that the, their people dwelled. So in Naaman's faulty theology, in Naaman's faulty theology, he thought that the God of Israel only had power in the local land. So to worship the God of Israel, he needed some of that land. He needed some of that dirt. So what Naaman would have done is would have taken those donkeys, and he would have uh, put it, and he would have built a place of prayer where we could have knelt on the land of Israel in Assyria. Now, let's jump into how David sees God 200 years before that. We're going to read verses 1 to 16 to begin with. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit or when I arise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going down to my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, 
and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, subnote, sky, stars, dwelling place of God. This word, all three. If I go high, you're there. If I go higher, you're there. If I go to the highest place where God dwells, you're there. Um, if I go to them, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, literally death, depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, now if I get my geography right, the sun rises on the east, Israel, at the far side of the sea, west. So as far as the east is from the west, you're there. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my informed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Unknowingly, you may have found two, the location of two of your favourite verses. Uh, I've certainly, uh, you know, if you're going through a tough time, uh, or you know, and you're there and you go, look, God's got those days all day for It's one of those verses that we go and we, we hold on to. Fully known. David here is letting people know he's worshipping God in a song, and he's letting the people of Israel know that the God of heaven fully knows David. I've got a quote for you from Timothy Keller. Because fully knows can be a scary place to be. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us when in difficulty, life can throw at us. To be fully known can be a scary place until you remember that we are also fully loved. I'm going to give you a story now, I, a story, a true story, of just a few weeks ago. It's one of my greatest uh, privileges to be able to, uh, to take Bible verses and to, to take chapters and to, I, I almost, I, I don't know a way of saying it, but roll it round in my head as if I'm rolling um, precious things through my fingers. And, and I get to, to deal with the Bible like that. I've got some very good tools that allow me to go and uh, look at words, the original words, and, and some things like that. And a lot of the time, you read a Bible, 
And we feel as if we're skimming over the top of that. And we're like one of those bouncing stones that we play at the sea. But when you look down, you realise there's 10,000 feet of, of goodness to dive into. And Psalm 139 is definitely one of those songs. We're just going to skim over the top. But as I was with Colin, my dog, and Colin gets mentioned a lot, nearly as much as we offer fry. And <laughs> Colin and I were walking on our normal route. I'm praying and I'm, I'm, and I'm running over this song again and again in my head. And my brain went from God, you're not like us at all, are you? You are, you are, you are holy. You are, you are so far above what I can comprehend. I don't comprehend you. And the next thing that came to my mind was the phrase, what a disappointment you must be. That wasn't Jesus. So I knew the statement, what a disappointment you must be, I knew it was a lie. Okay? It still got me. It still got me. It still hurt me. It still stopped me. Even though I knew it was a lie. I knew what it was like to be fully known, but I had forgotten that I was also fully loved. Now the story doesn't end there. Two hours later, and you can come and check my phone, I'm not sure you can, but you could come and check my phone if I could work out how to hide where it's from. I get this message from a friend. Hi John Mark, hope you're having a good day. I, I was praying for you earlier, the phrase from a verse came to mind, and these eyes were like blazing fire. Oh, okay. At that point, I shut the message down. I didn't need any more reminding that God was not like me. That was, and it was like, okay, yes, I, I get it, God. But still feeling as if I was a disappointment. We carry on with the message. I think God wants to remind you that He sees you, He sees the real you, and He loves you in His for you. I think He wants to encourage you that you are seen and known and loved. I don't think about that, I just wanted to pass on the reminder. That was it. I don't know what happened two hours previously. John Mark were a disappointment. But God sent out an SLS and someone uh, in the missional community at the time then, the Holy Spirit prompted, they got on their text and sent me an encouraging thing. It was exactly the thing that I needed to hear on the 9th of August at 8 minutes past 7. Exactly what I needed to hear. Now, I give you that story as an encouragement that we are not meant to do church as on our own. We're meant to do the church in community. 
Because I'll tell you what would have happened if I wasn't in a community of believers. Even though I knew that second was true, I would have fasted. And that fester would have turned to gambling, spiritual gambling. And that could have affected how I saw God. But God, knowing that that's not the way that it should be, decides to get one of his saints to bring me a message. Thank you. The person that said that. I'm purposely not saying the name because I don't think that's important. But I just really hope that you are praying for people in your missional community. I really hope that you are, day by day, you are taking people's names and you are praying for them. And I pray <laughs> you'll have the, the courage, if God puts something on your mind, to be able to send someone an encouraging word. It may be that you think that they'll know better. Well, yeah, but sometimes it doesn't get us on what we think. Sometimes it gets us on our feelings. And we just need a reminder from heaven to say, no, you've kind of got that wrapped around your head a little bit. So I just wanted to carry on encouraging you to be involved with the missional community, to be involved with groups of believers that will love and cherish you, build you up, and, and be willing to give you some good advice. We are more than just fully known, we're agape love. Agape is not used in this, agape is a Greek word, uh, but uh, agape is used a lot in the New Testament. The key words here, the key verse here is, you hang me in before and behind, you lay your hand upon me. Uh, Ham is the English translation of a Hebrew military term for a 40 mile place. So it's not like sewing, because we can sometimes think of God's not in our great sewing project. Uh, God has built this fortification around us, watchtowers, angels, you know, and God is our defense. Uh, to have God lay his hand on you is not a thing of uh, discipline, it's a thing of blessing. In the Old Testament, uh, if you were to pass on a blessing from a generation to a generation, uh, we see uh, with Abraham, Isaac, we see with Jacob, uh, we see with Joseph, the patriarch would lay their hand on the head of a son and would confer to them a blessing of God that would also include the resources of everything. So here we've got, in verse 5, we've got the actions of agape love. I'm here to protect you. Nothing will overcome the protection of God. And I'm here to bless you and give you things that you have not earned. These, this is a matter of grace. So none of us have earned the blessing of God, but we have all received it by the love and grace through Jesus Christ. Right, so I'm just going to give a quick Bible bath time. Uh, Romans 3.23, you all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Just in case anyone was in here that thought that you could do it on your own, you can't. You fall short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ, on the other hand, does not. And he took our place uh, on the cross, and that's where our sins are. But we, in response to that, have got to give our lives to Jesus, and that's not just a, a one-off. Well, I give my life to Jesus, and then off I try and do what I want. Giving your life to Jesus means giving your life then, at that moment, and every single second after. What would Jesus do? What does Jesus want me to do? What should I do for Jesus? When I, when I get up today, where do you want me, God? What, how do you want me to encourage someone? How do you want me to, to 
Holy Spirit, teach me to be more like Jesus. It's every day we are committed to being more and more like Jesus. So rather than read all of these, I'll just read uh, John 10. Jesus is talking about his people. I tell you what you do not believe in, the Pharisees. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. So Jesus was saying, the miracles that I've done prove that I'm good and prove that I'm from the Father in heaven. What you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Here's a great thing here. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You are fully known and fully loved and nothing can change that. You are completely and utterly known. You are completely and utterly loved. You are completely and utterly secure in Jesus. If you're not a Christian, you don't have that security. I'll just play the phrase like that. You don't have that security. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have that security. Okay? Now there's lots and lots. I've got pages and pages of verses where God says that you are loved, you are secure, you are significant, you are important to him. Right. But I'm going to go on because time's going. Because he knows all things, we can have confidence in him, whatever today brings. Verse 16, Your eyes saw my unformed body, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What a great verse for believers. Is that God, you saw me before I knew myself, you saw my first day walking, you saw my 20th birthday, I don't remember. you saw my 50th birthday, you see the day that I die, which consequently for a Christian is the best day of your life. Because that's the day you get to see Jesus. Uh, and because he's a God of the living, not the dead, God already sees our eternity with him. God is still, this is a bit of the Bible, God is still in time where I was in my mother's room. And he's still there. God is there when I was 13. God was there and he's still there when I'm 20. God is there and knows me even after I've fled this mortal coil and I'm with him. God knows me because time is no constraint for God. He knows. He's there every day. He's already there even though we've not experienced it yet. He's there. Now as a Christian, how does that mean that we can take that truth that David talks about here? How does that mean that we get to live? Does that mean in a Christian life that we should be eaten up with concern, with worry, with anxiety, with getting depressed because things are outside of our control? Or do we, like David, get to say, you're bigger than all that, God. You're in tomorrow, even though I'm not. And you're already there. You're already building the fortification for me for my tomorrow. You're already there giving me all the resources 
that I need for my tomorrow. Now, I know that we live in very anxious times. There's a book on our reading table in the front room, uh, World War II Farmhouse Kitchens. Not a normal read, certainly not my read, uh, uh, but I've had a flick through because there's an anxiety and there's a thing of planning that, that they needed because we're aware that the, the cost of living and all of that, and we're aware that some of the skills that my grandparents had are maybe some of the skills that we need to remind ourselves about today because, because we call to be good stewards of the things that we have. So I've, I've sort of, as I've been going through this, I'm, I'm starting to plan, well that's, that's good, well let's learn not to, to waste the stuff that we've got, let's, you know, make do a and put all of that, and we're starting to grow a little bit of our own food, and uh, we've got this ridiculous triffid in the back garden that is going to give us more pumpkins uh, that you can possibly eat in one lifetime. Good food. And um, we, I'll be doing our little bit. But my planning, my wife's planning, is not um, not taking away the trust that I have with God. Not taking away from the... See, it may be you think, well, I'm all right. Got a bit of cash, got a bit, you know. I uh, just won't go on the holiday to Mauritius uh, next year, you know. I'll be all right. Well, that's, I'm, I'm glad that's good. I, you know, I'm glad that you're, uh, you're set, you've managed your finances properly. But what happens when it comes a time when the trip to Mauritius and that little bit of money that you put aside is not enough? It may be that you and me are like looking at the future and going, do you know what? I don't know. I'm going to pay that later. You may be there. You may be there with. Uh, with, with uh, I looked this morning and worked out how to turn the, the heating down uh, uh, for the hot water just to, to save a few pennies. We're all there, aren't we? We all see the news. So, on Friday the 26th of August, these were the three headlines in the newspaper that I read. Martin Lewis warns that lives will be lost due to rises of the fuel cap. English rivers are at their lowest level since 2002. Expert thinks that worse droughts are to come in the next two years. Russian Ukraine war update is the landscape warns of a possible nuclear disaster. And that's just the front page of a newspaper. I'm not including what you may be going through as job insecurity, debt issues, health issues, and the concerns that you may have. There is reasons why. People are anxious. There are reasons why people are concerned. There are very genuine reasons when we read the news. So what do we get as Christians that is different to a world response? We get to believe what Jesus said is absolute truth, and we get to live in that. I'm not reading all of it, but it could be that some of you are anxious, even fearful. Matthew 6. Read Matthew 6. Okay? It's the, the do not worry section. So, do not worry, say, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But this is the bit I want you to draw a line under. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. 
Each has enough trouble of its own. My suggestion is to follow the advice of Jesus. That's my suggestion. It'd be odd if I stood up here and ever told you to ignore the advice of Jesus. That's when I'm expecting a few shoes coming my way. Follow the advice of Jesus. Don't worry, God's got it. Now you may think, well, I've got that twenty thousand pounds. I'm, I'm fine. I've got that. I've got the car. I can sell. I'm fine. There'll come a time when you'll run out of your own resources, and then where will be? You're better off saying, "I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust the very words that Jesus says, and I'm going to live like that." I'm not telling you to go out and misspend your money. What I'm doing is saying, administer your resources wisely, but don't let the worries of tomorrow overcome why you're here. You're here to build the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So that is our primary concern. Not the gas bill. Not the electricity bill. Not what I'm going to do. The primary concern is building the kingdom of heaven. I just put ten things down at random, not quite at random, uh, of ten things that I would do to put first kingdom of God. If time's got in prayer and reflection, what I mean by reflection is listen to what he says. Two, dedicate yourself to learning about him and reading the Bible. Throw yourself onto the character of God. He never lets people down. Three, commit yourself to the fellowship of believers because that's what God intended the church to be. Take communion. I took communion Thursday. Don't wait for people to take communion altogether. It's a special time. I love taking communion with everybody. Get in the habit of taking communion at home. I had, uh, I had some worship music, I had a bit of time with, uh, with God. I just thought, you know what, now would be a good time to take communion. Just, uh, and I did. Take communion. Tithe. Full stop, on the line, bold, flashing letters, all the stuff that kids put onto PowerPoint presentations that I hate as a teacher. Tithe. If you're worried about money, give it to God. Tithe. It may be John Arthur insane. Why would I give God 10% of my earnings when I'm struggling, or in my head I'm struggling to pay the gas bill? Tithe. God, Jesus, who we read here, is either right or is wrong. That I could, I could go all teaching on it at that point. Either Jesus is worth paying attention to, or he's not. You go and worry about the investment. Personally, take the advice of Jesus. Don't worry about the gospel time. And you will see what I have seen in my life and like what I know other people have seen here, you will see the provision of God. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be times when you won't get cold, you won't get hungry, that there won't be times when you've got to sacrifice your food so you make the eats, because that's what agape love does. And I'm not saying that you'll have an easy time. What I'm saying is you'll have a time that God wants for you to develop your character, to, to develop your mission in the community that you're in. Tell people about the good news of Jesus. Don't stop. That's why, we, that's why we're here. If, if the words aren't close to us, Jesus loves you. If the words aren't close to us and he cares about you, I don't, I don't know what the church is about. Do that. Love people with your resources. I put the last bit in because love people in the English language uh, and sometimes get lost with feelings. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I can pay love people 
cut means with your resources. Build people with your words. Don't, don't tear people down with your words. Build people up because each of us are precious in the sight of God. It, that doesn't mean uh, there's, no, uh, there's not time for correction and there's not time for straightening people out. Of course there is. We do that in love. We build people up with your words. Develop a habit of thankfulness. And finally, 10, keep yourself from being bruised by the world. But we, we as Christians, we're going to hit a hard time as our nation, as our world. We get to do things God's way, we don't get to do things as the world will do it. The world's panicking. What do Christians do? We throw ourselves onto the mercy and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we do as Christians. Fully precious, fully present. How precious to be your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with them. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and the all those who are in rebellion against me? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Okay. Now, well, well, as Darren said, we don't avoid the, uh, the hard bits. Let's, let's go with it. Right, so here we go. Here, we've got an indication of how much of David's heart David had given to God. David was not compromised or was seeking to compromise with the world around him. David was 100% given over to God. So this little bit here, you go, David's talking about the justice of God. He said, God, I want to see your justice. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray something very similar. We want to see God's will as it is in heaven on earth. Um, the hatred, I count them as my enemies and things, as that is the heart of David coming out, I am fully present with my God. What he thinks is precious, I think is precious. What he disregards, I choose to disregard. This is why David was a man after God's own heart, because he thought what God thought was precious. They weren't to be ignored, they weren't suggestions, they weren't, they weren't I know better. There's a uh, verse in the Bible that's quite scary, uh, that people uh, will decide what is right in their own eyes. And we're kind of in that generation. People choose what's right and what's wrong based on their, their culture, based on what they think. As Christians, we align with what God says is right, with what God says is wrong. That's, that's what we align to. We don't align to our world culture. We don't align with what's it mean to be British or, or anything like that. Is I align, I try and align myself with what God says is right. And I try and stand against the stuff that what God says is wrong. All in love, all in mercy, all in grace. But that's what we try and do, it's what we try and align ourselves with. He regarded God's thoughts as precious. I wonder what you would do, how far you would go. There's a story of a man here, uh, I won't read it all, but throw away a hard drive with $350 billion of Bitcoin in Wales. He has spent the last eight years of his life. Uh, digging up the tip in Wales, looking for $350 million worth of Bitcoins. Eight years of his life. 
And every time he walks away from it, he can't help. And he's now, so he's, it was a newspaper article, he said, I've given up now. Like, this was like five years in. Now they've gone back to him. Not only is he out there, uh, but he's got a group of mates that are dig- digging up the tip, the £350 million worth of bitcoins. Because he regards it as precious. He's given his life to that, to getting that, what he regards as precious back. His life has been dedicated to it. How do we prove to God that what he says is precious? Just like that fellow digging up that tip, we dedicate our lives to finding out what God thinks is precious. Just give you a bit of a clue. Of all the treasures of the universe, what does God count as his greatest treasure? Of all the riches of the universe, more gold, more silver, more platinum than you could ever want or deal with, God regards people as the most precious thing. People. So if you want to align yourself with God, don't let wealth your precious. Let people precious. I won't go on. If you have compromised, and I'm not going to give you a definitive list of, of things that we can do in our lives to compromise, because the Holy Spirit is far better at it than I am. All I will say is that you can repent, which means turn away and say, look God, I decided I'd do that my way and I know it wasn't your way. So I'm going to turn around from that and I'm going to say, God forgive me and God will and his mercies are there every morning. Well, you may sit there and you may think to yourself, I'm a failure. You do not know what I really like. I don't, but I know that God knows you fully, even though you know yourself. And I also know he loves you with a love that is just amazing grace. We could see it for 10,000 years, it wouldn't be enough. Amazing grace love that he has for you. So you may be in your life, you've got to say, look God, I need to put that down, and I'm going to put it down. Then you do that as God tells you to. And lastly, we'll just go with the last two verses. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I know that you're for me. I know that you love me. I know that you're in my tomorrow, just as you've been in my past. I know that you will take care of me. I know that you will encircle me. I know that you will bless me. But God, if there's anything in me, now or in the future that doesn't align, then Lord, you search me, you correct me, you teach me, and lead me in that way everlasting. This is a prayer that I go to a lot these last two verses. I'm sad because that is 100% submitted and committed to the kingdom of heaven. God, I submit my life hands to you. They're yours. God, I submit them I'm going to marry. I give them to you. They're yours. God, I submit where I'm going to work. They're yours. God, I, I submit the promotion to you because it's yours. I submit everything to you. I submit what I say. I give it to you. I submit what I think is precious. I give it to you. 
Holy Lord, if I get it wrong, then bear with me, correct me, keep me on the way everlasting. That's a prayer I get to say. So, right, challenging conclusion. You are fully seen, fully known, fully known, and fully loved. This is the first time that that truth has been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. If so, if you didn't know that God fully knows you and fully loves you, then you can have a chat with me at the end, and I will go over a very simple prayer, we'll pray that prayer, and I'll walk you into the kingdom of heaven. Follow up. Has the enemy of your soul caused you to believe that you are not loved by the kingdom of heaven? Sometimes it gets us on our feelings and not on what we know. Is that somehow as the, the enemy made you feel as if you're not loved or known or wanted? Then align yourself with the Bible. Just open that Bible and just see the love of God pouring out. Follow that. Have you compromised? Are you leading the life of many parts? Don't. Lead a life that is 100% given over to Jesus. And follow it. Do you have the confidence of David to pray? I give you permission to lead me in every area of my life, to every day of my life. I hope that you do, and I hope that at some point today you will pray that prayer. And that God will guide you, just as he'll guide his sheep, because it's the sheep of Jesus hear his voice. Then I'm sorry if I've come across a bit hard. I, I want to encourage you. I just want to I just want to Try and get across to you how much God loves you, how much He cares for you. That, that we're completely reliant on Him. That we don't need to worry about tomorrow because we're His. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.